This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Weird Facts Cotton candy was invented by a dentist. A cloud can weigh more than a million pounds. The sea-dwelling comb jelly has a disappearing butt. And funny people talking is... is still here, folks. What a... what a wacky world. This is Funny People Talking. Hi, this is Chris Murphy, comedian, as on Instagram. And I would rather take a shower while someone flushes a toilet bowl than listen to funny people talking. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako. Boy, did I celebrate myself right there. But more <laughs> aptly to be celebrated is my good friend and co-host, Dresden Engel. Dresden. I celebrate you, friend. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. I gotcha. Confetti all over the place. And, of course, with us, as per usual, also our good friend. I don't know if she thinks of us the same way, but we like her, and it's our producer, Elsie. Hi, Elsie. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Thanks. And now glitter all over the place. Glitter. Yeah, all over yeah. Purple glitter. Yeah. How are you Lots feeling, Elsie? Elsie, did you miss us? Yeah. On our little break? Yeah? yeah. I missed you. I missed you, hon. Good. So. Glad to see you. Thanks. On the show with us, a very nice gentleman. He's been around. His name is Chris Murphy. He is a longtime veteran. Gotta gotta be easily well over 25 years. Comedian, comedy coach. He's appeared on the A&E, Evening at the Improv, Caroline's Comedy Hour, Comedy Central's Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, where I believe, Chris, you were a contributing writer to the show. You have a lot of impressive friends that you know in the comedy world. And most recently, just personally exciting to me, he's joining the list of teaching artists as part of AHA Broadway's comedy classes for seniors and veterans my wife is one of the co-founders heather is one of the co-founders of aha broadway and i'm so excited to see that you've decided to join on in that really really cool organization so uh so he does not mess around he has been around the block and i dig it so much chris that you are not someone that keeps it all to yourself you want to share it with others and inspire them to to do what you've done so welcome Thank you very much. Well, I hope I can follow that intro. Well, you will follow it because I just said it and you're next. So, and oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom. Or, or so. I hope I can live up to the intro. Oh, no, exactly. You were being humble and Mark didn't have a good comeback. So, you know, in the end, you you still win. You still so win. Really, what I am is a prime candidate for Chris's comedy class, I guess. <laughs> So uh, we're going to have a good time in the show. We are going to do another round of rhyming the headlines with Elsie. We're also going to play a brand new improv game to us, pulling one off right out of the box, brand spanking new. We're also going to talk to Chris all about Chris. And I just can't wait. But first, super, super, super quick, Dresden. I noticed that you are wearing unusual headphones we've seen once before. Are they lions? Is that what they are? They're lions with manes? They are lions with manes. This is real, by the way. I'm not making that up. She's real. I I saw them in the store shopping with, you know, teenagers 
in the mall. So you end up in all kinds of crazy stores. And I saw them and I thought, wow, you know, a podcast, funny people talking, maybe I could wear them and be funny. And now because they're the only ones in the office, I'm a little mortified now that I see them. But I will admit that off mic, I did say to Chris, maybe it's some kind of a bad $1 Princess Leia fantasy, but we'll see. Is there such a thing as a bad Princess Leia fantasy? I'm not sure. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if my plus size gold bikini would. Yeah. So yeah, there is such a thing as a bad Princess Leia fantasy. And scene. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dresden. Let's get started with the show. So, Elsie, why don't you let, let me let me extend the offer to you to tell me to start the show. Mark, start the show. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rago, Dresden Engel, and Elsie. All right, everybody, you are uh, listening to Funny People Talking with our esteemed guest, Mr. Chris Murphy. I didn't get a chance on our last show to tell you, but I I had to share something real quick that I am getting my second vaccine shot in a couple of days. But my first vaccine shot, which I had an appointment for, of course, Chris, because it's possible that Dresden and Elsie may know this. So I had an appointment, show up for my appointment early. How long do you think I waited to get my shot? Take a wild guess. Two minutes. More than six hours. Oh my no God. Lie, true story. Outside in the cold, by the way. Could have flown to California or Ireland. I literally could have. Yeah. And when I got there, in there, there were still like four different or five different layers of things that I had to go through before I could actually get the shot and be done. My point was at 6.15 in the evening, I got home at one in the morning. And I have literally never been colder in my life. And one of the interesting things that happened was when, and by the way, I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I'm actually not because I understand that we've rolled out a national vaccine program like in no time, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be holes in the process. A lot of it's held together by bailing wire and duct tape, basically. Yeah, but that's okay. We women complain about how many hours we were in labor and we love our babies. So if it was a horrible experience, it was a horrible experience. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, anyway, I've never been colder in my life ever, but one of the things that happened was at some point, one of the lackeys went back and told a bunch of people in line that if you had a certain type of condition, you could step to the front of the line. And of course, when they got to the front of the line, all of us were like, oh, no, ho, 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 ho. And they were like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can't get seen first now. You made a step out of line. Now we got to start waiting all over again. I thought they were going to have to call the cops. Like it was getting intense. And then I hear about all these stories about people that have just kind of walked up and literally, like Chris said, it's been like two minutes for them. They get their shot and they leave. I chose incorrectly where I got my, I did this up in the Bronx at a, at a, library or something now you have a war story you have yet another war story from the pandemic well yeah when when (laughs) i'm old i can say i can say you know in 2021 when i got my vaccine there was no instant 
time travel vaccine back then. <laughs> you had to actually wait in line. I waited for six hours, 60, 600 hours, both ways in the snow. I just had to share that quick little uh, horror story. Okay, here's the capper, Chris. You know, my reward for it was someone stuck a piece of metal in my arm and pierced my arm and put in some disease in my arm to try to prevent me from getting any disease. That was my reward. Which one, Pfizer or, or Moderna? Moder At least it was Moderna. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But... <laughs> this show is sponsored by Moderna. Has everybody here gotten their shot yet? Chris, have you had an opportunity yet? Or I have not. To? I'm probably going to go with Johnson and Johnson in a couple of weeks. Ah, one shot, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you, I'm not a thin woman. And so I was with a male friend of mine and I said, well, I'm too healthy. I don't qualify yet. My husband's had it, but I haven't. And he goes, you qualify. <laughs> that and enough wow. said. That was his very nice way of letting me know. I So I did sign up the next day for my vaccine. <laughs> wow. I'm thinking wow. twice about it because uh, Johnson and Johnson is owned they own the Jets, so maybe I shouldn't <laughs> go with them. Oh, <laughs> you get your priorities straight, there, sir. Hey, Drez, the next time your your husband uh, I don't know if he does this or not, but the next time he he maybe nags you because you you decided to have that extra cookie or whatever yeah. it might be, you just yeah. say, "Leave me alone. I'm trying to qualify for something." I like that. All right, yeah. there That's you go. Right. There you go. I've got goals. The only thing wrong with me. Right. I'm ambitious. <laughs> That's all I said right there. I'm ambitious. I'm not large. I'm ambitious. I'm focused. <laughs> all right. Before we get to our improv game, I wanted to invite Elsie. One of our most fun bits was when we invited Elsie to uh, read Elsie, Chris, real headlines weird headlines that are really in the news and elsie is so good at poetry slamming she genuinely is that she will pull a poem a rhyme out of nowhere inspired wow. by that headline she has not seen these before i swear to you she's making these up on the spot so, are you up for this out of the gate here, Elsie? She loves bacon, she's cantankerous, and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer, it's Elsie. Do a little headline rhyming? Sure. Go, sure. girl. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, here's the first headline. The headline is, again, this is real. Mom left roaring with laughter as daughter gives baby brother a thug makeover. Mom left roaring with laughter as daughter gives baby brother a thug makeover. Elsie. Can I ask a question? Yes, you can. Where is this located? This, I believe, was in the UK. Hence the word mom. Yes, what I was wondering. Right. Okay. So, uh, Elsie, make a rhyme. A mom with two kids who are cute as a bug till a little daughter changed her brother to a thug. Living it out in the UK today. I hope those kids are doing okay. <laughs> Beautifully done. A little lesson, life lesson in there too. The more you know. Very nice. Good. Okay. Beautifully done. Chris, give that a rating out of 10 if you would. One to 10. 
Well, since I can't do it, I have to give it a 10. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I like Chris's logic there. It's good logic. All right, Elsie, next headline. We're doing three of these. Next headline. This is real. People left in stitches after noticing X-rated pepperoni pizza design on Domino's ad. People left in stitches after noticing X-rated pepperoni pizza design on Domino's ad. Elsie, make a rhyme. People left in stitches don't consider them snitches because they commented on an ad. It may not be so bad, but in what it they saw, it seemed pretty raw. It was R-rated. Totally debated, but I'm going with so what. <laughs> That's brilliant. Nicely done. Lamb, nice. Is that another 10, Chris? Yeah, I really like the so what part. Yeah. I like that. It was a left turn right there. That was a, you didn't see that comment. That was a, a good one. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. Last one, Elsie. Here we go. Again, a real headline. Mom, another mom, apparently. I don't know. What's going on. Mom's in the UK. Yes. Right. Mom urged to move house after overhearing daughter's creepy comment to quote, imaginary friend, unquote. Mom urged to move house after overhearing daughter's creepy comment to imaginary friend. Elsie, I dare you, make a rhyme. Mom moving house because her daughter was talking. Wasn't quite sure if it was a friend or someone stalking. <laughs> moving the house, it wasn't no mouse. It came to an end because of the imaginary friend. Peace out. <laughs> another tag another button nice beautiful chris might as well round third here your rating for that one yeah so she has a 30 she's, she's three for three Solid three for three thank you chris murphy everybody giving his official seal of approval very nicely done elsie i'm impressed my friend very impressed you deliver again well done that is Rhyme in the headlines with Elsie, the producer. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play an improv game. And then right after that, we're going to talk to Chris Murphy right after this. It's probably pretty telling that there aren't any action figures of podcasters or comedians. Just saying. This is Funny People Talking. All right, Chris, this is where we get to have some fun. It's time for an improv game. But first, really, really quick, before I forget a bit of housekeeping, uh, it's time for our salute to Tina Fey. Every single show, we pray to the comedy gods that somehow, some way, Tina Fey, we've done this for a long time, Chris, somehow, Very some way, time. Tina Fey will appear on the show, do a drive-by, send us a telegram, Whatever she needs to do to connect with us, it will make our day. There's reasons behind it. I won't get into them now, but we pray to the comedy gods. You may observe or you may participate. It's entirely your choice, Chris. Elsie, do you want to lead us off in our... I just need to jump in. I don't want to scare Chris. The reasons behind it just have to do with a lot of near misses. And it's just meant to be she's on the show. I don't want to scare him. <laughs> There's reasons behind why we want Tina. <laughs> and stalking. 
but back there. No, no, no. Okay, let's let's yeah. go back. No, to no. Mark. Thank you, Dresden. Dresden, <laughs> Dresden, ever the PR. Yeah, manager. the day job. The day, yeah, job. the day job. I never can shut off exactly, the day job. Exactly. Exactly. It's like Dresden. Just joking. Angles. Well, wait, 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 wait. Let me ask Chris. I'm not making Chris, fun of you. I Chris, appreciate. were you hung up just even for a second on Mark saying we're going to conjure Tina to come to us, but we got reasons behind it. We're just not. We're not going to get into it now. Did it? concern you a little no uh, i was still focused on uh what the heck's gonna be uh, asking me later so i have man. no idea if i'm that interesting enough to, to fill this kind of time <laughs> oh you will i have questions for you oh we have questions right. Murphy. we have questions all right all right but right now tina come to us all right elsie lead us lead us the way you know, we've been doing this for years, literally, and we just ask, please. So we we just need you to be here. Text us. Sign up. Sign up. Join um, us. A headshot. Okay, join us if yeah. you would. Join the show just to drive by. We don't yeah. care. We love you. Amen. It's all good. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> our, our improv game. Hey, hey, Chris, I always ask this. Is she in your phone? Do you know her? I don't, no. Oh, okay. I just thought I'd ask. Okay. You could be BFFs. It could happen. <laughs> Chris Murphy, everybody. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> and now, an improvisational comedy game. I have pulled an audible in the middle of the show, and instead of pulling a brand new one out, I have made a decision. We are going to go with an old favorite, which is audible. See, I pulled an audible, yeah. and then we'd go with audible. Nice. And you know how Chris in like football games, they'll do an audible where they, they do a play that wasn't planned and the quarterback just kind of yells a play in the middle of the play and then they change the play on the fly. So that's the same idea here. The concept of this is that we're doing a scene and someone else will yell audible. And in that moment, you have to change what you're saying to something else. And the person will continue to say audible after everything you say until what you're saying satisfies them. So for example, I might say, today I ate a pear. And Elsie might say, audible. I ate a banana. She's audible. I ate a kangaroo. And uh, until they think it's funny enough, they're going to make us keep going until we say something. When uh, when When they stop yelling audible. That's is right. when you know you can proceed to your exactly. So we're going to demonstrate. So we'll do- eating. So I'm assuming we're, we're going to keep this clean, right? No, you don't have to. I mean, it's totally up <laughs> to you. Just- it's totally up to you. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to put no limits on your comedy here. So to demonstrate, Elsie, why, why don't you and I lead off? We'll demonstrate. And then Dresden and Chris, if you're so inclined, Chris can do a rounding. They'll see how it works. And we'll do two rounds of this all together. So what I like from you, Chris, is a relationship that Elsie and I have in this scene. Any relationship in the world. For some reason, what's popping into my head, I don't know why, she is a zookeeper. Beautiful. Fun. A zookeeper. And, what, and who am I to the zookeeper? What is my character? I'm sorry, but you're, you're a janitor. <laughs> a janitor. <laughs> you don't know. I may aspire to be a janitor. That's yeah. just fulfilled my wish. Yeah, but some of the things you may have to clean up, it won't be fun. Fair enough. That is true. They are much larger in a zoo, too. So, so. he's giving you material because he's a comedian. I know, exactly. He's, he's, a writer. He's, he's a writer. All right, so here we go. 
Oh, I'm sorry. You know what I did not? Dresden, would you yell audible in this situation, please? Okay, friend. Miss Elsie, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was wondering if I could have a little time off. I, I have Audible. To, I was wondering if I could have about uh, 15 weeks off. Uh, I was wondering if uh, I could actually continue to be paid and in have off indefinitely, possibly never come back. I have a few things I need to do. What could possibly take you that long? And who do you think is going to do it? Well, I have been training an intern that Audible. I have been uh, training my mother who, you know, honestly has been cleaning a lot of stuff of mine. For Audible. Um, I thought that maybe you could do it. Well, here at the zoo, um, that's not my job. Audible. Um, here at the zoo, that could be my job, but I refuse to do it. So Audible. I, here at the zoo, that is part of my job, but I'm going to uh, have to pass because <laughs> right now the monkeys and I are not getting along. So. <laughs> Audible. I'm going to have to pass doing that right now because I've been having a little bit of difficulty with the feeding schedule. It just doesn't work. I'm a night person there and, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm having difficulty. So unless you can find someone to cover the night shift, I do the day. I'm a morning person. Audible. <laughs> You're not letting her go, are you? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lunchtime worker only. Audible. <laughs> Audible. <laughs> Basically, I'm just a big fat liar, and I all, I all I do is work. So, sure, I'll do it for you. Um, what else do you want? Well, that's really nice of you. Thank you very much. You know, as a matter of fact, if it's helpful to you, I'll come back every Tuesday and Thursday between one and two fifteen a.m. Audible. I would be happy to come by every July fifteenth because I know that's a that's a slow day, and uh, and it'd probably be pretty easy for me if that's helpful. Could you just leave me some notes about the different animals in the zoo that may have some quirks or extra care needs and what have you? Because, you know, I want to make sure that I cover your job the best while you get paid in full. Absolutely. But the one, the one, I think the notes that I'm probably going to leave you the most about are the elephants because of the size of their poops. Audible. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to leave you a note about the elephant because of the size of their herd. Uh, it seems to be. <laughs> I'm going to leave you a note about the monkeys <laughs> because, <laughs> because, uh, because they have a rumor about the size of the elephants. You know what? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've been actually talking about you a bit too, from what I hear, Ms. Elsie, they don't seem <laughs> to like you very much. Well, that's why I tried to tell you I didn't want to do this job. Okay. But of course I'll do it because, you know, why not? So, Audible. Uh, so of course I'll do it, but I'll probably replace you while you're done. <laughs> and scene. Thank you very much, Elsie. Thank you, Dresden. That was funny. Good job. All right. So yay. All right. So Chris and Dresden, Elsie, can you uh, please think of a relationship that Chris and Dresden have any relationship in the world? I'll call Audible and we'll see how this goes. They're both trapeze artists in the circus. Oh, well, obviously. So very nice. So Chris and Dresden, much to apparently Chris's chagrin as I read his face, are trapeze artists in the circus. And this is Audible. Dresden, why don't you lead the way if you would? Okay. Excuse me. Would you be able to hold me right here? Because I, if you hold me here, I can jump a little higher. So Remember the other day I asked you to do it and you didn't and I kind of fell a little bit. Audible. 
Yes, I am so I sorry about that. I kind of slipped out of my costume a little bit. And, <laughs> you know, it was a little embarrassing. So what do you think? Could, could you help me? Sure, no problem. I can do that. I'm just letting you know why I um, couldn't really do it because I'm, I, I never broke the news to you before. I've been dealing with um, a fear of heights. <laughs> we're, um, we're trapeze artists. Yes, I know. That's what makes it very difficult. Audible. Yes, I know. That's what makes it easy to um, <laughs> grab at, at your clothes. I'm also very attracted to you. <laughs> I also have a fear of commitment as well as heights. So <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, um, yeah, this is a lot to tell me while I'm standing on this pretty thin wire. Um, while I'm standing here, you know, riding on the back of an elephant trying to climb up a pole. And I might need you to grab at my clothes, but now things are a little uncomfortable. But I, I, I guess I'm attracted to you too, but I'm not going to see a lot of you now with you way down there and me way up here. <laughs> so um, do you think we can continue the act? What, what are we going to do? Maybe um, we can get married on the wire. Audible. Maybe... Um... We could uh, have lunch on the wire. Audible. Maybe we can climb off the off the wire and and a elope, riding the elephant. <laughs> if we were going to do that, you'd be willing to be on the on the on the wire in the whole trapeze act just one last time, maybe. And, I didn't you know, say and, that. <laughs> well, how would we? get married or elope on the wire if you're not willing to embrace your fear of heights just yet. Audible. If you're not willing to fall in love with the elephant as well as much as you love me. Um, that was really um, <laughs> Audible. That, or if maybe, um, maybe we could like, you know, tie a big rope to you or something just so we can get through the ceremony. But would you still let me do the high wire act even if you're now on the ground? Of course, because I'm afraid of heights. I would love for you to do the high wire act. Audible. Of course, I, I would love for you to do the high wire act while I watch um, Sitting on the Elephant. <laughs> and scene. I think that's a good place to stop. Very nice. Chris. I think, it, I think three times ago is a good place. Yay, Chris! Chris, thank you for being a good sport. Very funny. Very, very I'm funny. All right. We're going to pause briefly. When we come back, we're going to be talking all about Chris Murphy with Chris Murphy on the Chris Murphy show right after this. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at funny people talking and Elsie at Elsie, the producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy, Subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. Okay, Chris Murphy, comedian, writer, teacher. Maybe I could lead this off just by asking you, how many years have you been doing comedy, let's say, professionally or, or semi-professionally it's gotten to the point now where i'm doing it so long when comics ask me i lie and say yeah. i've been doing it less years so 
it doesn't sound like I'm a big loser for not being famous yet. So I uh, noticed when Mark kept saying like 25 years, you weren't really enjoying him. Yeah, sorry. Bounding on yeah. the tenure. Well, well, no, no, it, it's fine. It, 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 it just reminded me I haven't done enough with it. You know, as a boy, that, that went by fast. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this then. So as you think about the very first times you did comedy and you thought about, gosh, if only I get to do this, that'll be something. And and, and you compare that dream with where you are now. Do you think you accomplished some of those things and then the dream got bigger? Or do you feel that you're still on your way to that dream? I think in life, we always feel like we're on our way to to the dream because if we don't, we don't really have a reason to be awake. You know, we have to have some sort of dream in order to be awake and really enjoy life because the dream gives you hope. I can't write it. Because, you know, life is crappy. So the dream is almost like when people, there are some people I think who pray to God and believe in God because it makes life easier for them. They may not even even believe in God. So the, the dream for me just makes life easier to cope with. When you have hope, you go, oh, all right, well, you know, at least I can grasp onto that. And it's not always real. Dreams are always real. That's yeah. what the whole dreams. I wasn't even sure I was going to mention this quite yet, but may I ask you about the the, the cancer? Oh, sure. Okay. Which one? I, okay. I've got several. Oh, oh I didn't realize that. Okay, so the reason I bring Ooh, no, it up. No, but it's not as bad as it sounds. It's not, um, the other ones were uh, basal cell carcinoma, which, as okay. you know, you just yank it out. You, you, you know, your surgery yeah. removed, and, and it's gone. It's 100% yeah. curable. But um, during the quarantine, what I did for eight and a half months, I used this cream called Curaderm. It's very nasty. Like, it, it's, when you first put it on, it, it gets worse and worse. But you keep putting it on putting it on. Eventually, the basal cell goes away without scarring. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I used the quarantine time. Go, this is perfect. I get rid of all these skin cancers without scarring. So that's what I did. The other one was in the lymph nodes and uh, it was head and neck cancer and um, it was spreading, but luckily, well, many surgeons didn't want to do the surgery because it was too close to the jugular vein, okay. the tumor. But I found a guy, well, a guy, a doctor. <laughs> uh, I, I found a guy. Some guy so down on 37 Street. I got a guy. Okay I He's a and jugular he was guy. One of, the, one of the top surgeons in the country. Like he yeah. was a top 3,000 doctor in the United States. And nice. Dr. Charles Erkin, and uh, he performed the surgery. There was uh, three surgeries all together. The cancer uh, luckily has been gone. What yeah. they wanted me to do, they wanted me to do radiation. I just been a safe side, make sure they get all the cancer. But part of the radiation was uh, you get to eat through a feeding tube for 10 months. You will lose your t- taste buds, supposedly temporary. But maybe not. When I heard losing the taste buds, I just said no. So he was a great surgeon, but I, I felt it was time for me to go to more healers after that. So I went to Mexico and I, I got ozone therapy, which is illegal in the United States, but legal everyone else in the, in the world. It started in Germany. That's huh. where they, uh, they take your blood out. They pump with extra oxygen because cancer can't live in an oxygenated environment. And they put it back in, in, into your bloodstream. So I did that, Laetrile, which sounds like a drug, but it's not. It's vitamin B17. 
1980, the, um, the FDA changed the name from Laetril, I mean, from B17 to Laetril to make it sound like a drug, and then they banned it. You can get it in apricot seeds, but then they banned apricot seed sales in uh, health food stores, which oh. probably is the best thing because they can be bitter and you, you eat too much of them. So I was taking vitamin B17, and there's a place called the Huxley Clinic, which specializes in skin cancer and breast cancer, but all cancers. That was invented in the 1840s, and uh, he was drummed out at the AMA. They wait and look at his stats, and they're doing good work down there. So I uh, was on that the tonic for a couple of years, too. Very strict diet. It was brutal. But that cancer has not come back since 2008. Knock on wood. Now, there you go. First of all, thank you so much, Chris, for opening up about that. It's very kind of you to share that and very interesting as well. I want you to know the reason I brought it up as I kind of took us down from a, from a funny high here a little bit was because, you know, you talked about hope and you talked about the importance of, of comedy. And it, it occurred to me that you've had a particular big moment in your life in this, in which having that hope mattered. And you had a lot of successful comedians rallying around you to help you raise money and to bring attention to it and to up your spirits and support you people like Colin Quinn, for example, amongst others, I guess my question is, is how do you feel that comedy has not just been something that you've delivered to others to give them hope or to entertain and so forth, but how do you think that impacted your own state of mind during some of those darker times? Oh, I can tell you a perfect example. I think it was a Saturday night before the surgery, which was on a Monday. I was, I was doing a show at the New York Comedy Club, and uh, it was a particularly good show. And for some reason, at the end of my set, I just looked at the crowd and I said, thanks a lot, I'll miss you. Because I didn't know, because I was told by the surgeon, you know, I could die on the table, but if I don't get this done, I'm gonna die anyway, so let's just do this. So, you know, all of a sudden you have that doubt whether you're gonna live. And my, I, I never cried during this cancer thing, it's kind of weird. Oddly enough, a couple of years later, I cried when the girl I was supposed to marry, we, we didn't get together. So I cried about that, but not about cancer. So I'm thinking, well, maybe we have a stronger need, need for love, a stronger our, our need for survival. Wow. Who knows why that was. So I'm on stage. I got teary-eyed. And the MC, my friend Nicole Krokolis, she was one of the few people who knew. I didn't tell. Well, first of all, there was no Facebook. There was, but I wasn't on it. And I'm not the kind of person to put my uh, business out in the street to get a couple of likes. <laughs> you know, everyone's, right, yeah. you know. Well, ugh. you don't really have a social media presence out there. You're, you don't really have a-, a Just Facebook and Instagram, really. I, I, yeah. I would never go on Twitter. Yeah. It, it's, it's a super, and it's, uh, I don't care. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to be known that much. Sorry, right, so she, she's coming on stage. She's crying. I have tears in my eyes. And I go in the back room where the, there was this like bathroom. And I'm sitting down. I guess it was the toilet, but I, I wasn't sitting on it. It was, it was covered. I, I, I wasn't using yeah. it. <laughs> and I, I just started crying. And then I realized, well, why am I crying? And I realized I'm going to miss comedy. Mm. And there's an old saying that, you know, I, no one ever says, I wish I spent more time in the office. Well, I did. Wow. <laughs> so I'm thinking, gee, how lucky am I that I chose something that I love so much that that's the one thing I'm going to miss if I'm dead. So I'm thinking, uh-huh, I made the right choice. I am successful. Because as a comedian, there's so many different things, levels you can get. You watch other people get something, and you'll know uh, what is success. I said, huh, and then it's cleared up. 
I'm successful because I made the right choice in doing stand-up comedy. Because we all don't know if we're making the right choice in life. But we're looking back, oh, we could have done this, we could have done that. It's all right. I'm a piece of that. I lived my life the way I was supposed to. And that was the best thing about getting cancer. Wow. There, there's a TED Talk in that, my friend. That's uh, a t- there's a TED Talk, a book, uh, whatever. Yeah. That, that is a big deal story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, of course. I don't want to monopolize the questions here, Drez, but I have one more I'd yeah, like to ask if you don't I mind. I really want to ask, Chris. So why don't you go ahead, Drez? Thank you. And Chris, if I tell you it's because I didn't fully understand the answer, it's because it's selfishly where I am. Uh, it was a video <sighs> that you shared because you do, you're wonderful about sharing your experience and your traits. And this one was writing good stand-up comedy. And you said, people come to you all the time and like, what do I write? I don't know what to write. And you said, you have to know how you feel. How do you feel? And I walk around with a notebook and, or not a notebook, I do it on my phone. And I write down things that I know are going to be funny. And then I string them together and I come up with a stand-up act. I personally am having trouble connecting to that lesson. So I think maybe I'm missing something in my writing and my approach. So can you expand a little bit more on what you meant by, how do you feel when you write and deliver the joke? No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I made the whole thing up. It's a con. (laughs) <laughs> Chris Murphy, everybody. Yes. I know how I'm feeling right now. Damn. Yeah, wow. Nice. If you can write a check, you can write an act. There you <laughs> That's go. That's my model. There you go. <laughs> Sell t-shirts. Chris. I think. I think the best thing to do is to ask yourself questions, how you feel about something, and eventually your brain will give you an answer to what the really gist of it is, like why you write, because they have to know why they're laughing. The setup is so much more important than a punchline. A punchline cannot stand on its own, but a setup can get laughs. So what do you mean by they have to know why they're laughing? Like if I told a bunch of jokes of things they could relate to, right? Seinfeld-esque. Oh, they don't even have to relate to it. They have to know that you can relate to it. And if you say that, okay, for example, my brand new joke is, I'm saying to the people, most people are younger in the crowd than me, much younger. And I said, you guys are going to realize what our compliments now are going to turn to insults when you're older. So that's, I'm putting that in the brain. Then I'm going back to me. For example, I said, you know, if you guys lose weight, your friends go, oh my God, you look great. I'm older. If I lose weight, they go, Chris, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> And that's only funny because you know why you're supposed to laugh. I, I made it very clear mm. how they're enough? feeling and I'm, I'm feeling. How do you feel? How do I feel? Otherwise, I the joke it. is stupid. Yes, I get it. I get it. And it came from real life experience. Because yeah. when, when every March, April, I start losing weight. I haven't started yet. You know, all, all diets start on Monday. <laughs> or the first of the month. And March 1st was on a Monday and I still wouldn't want to diet. And, uh, you know, and I gained 10 pounds before I start the diet. And, you know, this, you know, whatever. When I was losing weight last year, I lost a lot. People didn't say, hey, you look great. I go, are you all right? Because they know about my history of cancer. I can never lose weight without people being worried for me, which is great. So maybe now I'll just eat like a freaking pig. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to move to places where I still need a coat. You know, as long as I have a coat, I, I will never look fat. Okay, that's funny. Know, that's funny. That is funny. Although someone no, might I, ask, I just made you... that up right now. So. I like that. So I, I'm, yeah. I can steal it? Thank you. 
Although someone might say, you know, are you okay? You've been wearing a coat a lot lately. Are you cold? <laughs> yeah, funny. You've been um, wearing like three layers of coats. <laughs> On that note, Chris, do you feel that the way that you write comedy jokes, uh, assuming that it's been somewhat the same over the years, do you feel that you're a bit of an engineer in strategizing the path that the humor goes versus saying, you know, that's funny. I'll write that down. I'll work it out. Okay. That's a joke in my set. And we'll see if that connects versus going, okay, I'm building something that has almost a blueprint to it. And because I've done this long enough, I know what works. So I almost have to modularly fill those holes where the, just the, the subject matter is different or the context is different. I do it both ways. Sometimes I joke that this comes to me in conversation. It's difficult having conversations as a as a working comedian because you're alone a lot. You know, oh, yeah. you're not in the workforce, and you know, huh. your friends are comedians, so it's just difficult having the conversation. But I do get jokes through conversation, or if something happens, I'm just aware. Oh, I wonder if everyone else has to be thinking this too, because if I'm a human being; they're a human being. So let's let's just talk about this. And I'm really big on recording and then breaking it down. I go into my computer right here and I type all my notes. I listen, I type my notes, how I said it, and in parentheses, I grade the reaction of the joke. And I have a whole ad lib section. I throw it in and every every bit I have is yeah. on my computer on um, every set, how that actually react, re, re, they reacted so i spent two hours to break down like several shows a night wow so. that's fascinating and and do you make a note of of like say the demographics so when you're trying to figure yes out sometimes I, I will do that I, I will i will emphasize that they were millennials or they were older people yeah 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 or or, or black or white so you're doing like your own analytics based on what oh yeah your, based on what your ear heard and what your eyes saw because now when I go up there, I have experience because I'm breaking so many shows down. I've been doing this process since 2006. So that's like 15 years. So I kind of know what they're going to say before they say it because I know by the demographics, okay, th this is probably going to happen. Not necessarily, <laughs> but it's probably going to happen. Got it. So the crowd and is... I have an answer by the way. Have any of your comedian friends borrowed your analyses the way you just described it? I'm free and, and tell them how I, I do my, like they ask me and I said, well, this is what I do. And I don't think any of them have done it because it's too much work. Yeah. Well, I'm impressed. Yeah. That's I'm not worried about somebody at work with me. Just, I'm sure there are a lot of people who do at work with me, but my process yeah. isn't for everybody. It's just like the way my brain is wired. So I have no problem telling them what I'm, plus it, it may help them. I'm, I'm not going to be around forever. So it may help them. And, uh, they usually don't. They have tried, you know, how the hell do you do that? So I don't know. Are you excited to share your wisdom with the um, folks at AHA? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's fun. It's like watching like a four-year-old on Christmas. You never get tired of that. You, you know, even, <laughs> even though you've seen Christmas over and over and over again, but when you watch it through a four-year-old's eye, it's always a, a blast because it's so new to them. That's nice. That's, That's fantastic. Nice. I wish you luck with that. Yeah. Awesome. Chris, uh, Something that I found that seems to be common with comedians that we, we talk with is that there are jokes that throughout their career, they keep testing and maybe they never quite work and they're hoping 
they'll find the path to that joke really hitting. They believe in it and they keep pulling it yeah. out from time to time. It just never quite works the way they want, but they still believe in it. Uh, or there's also those jokes. They go, this is never going to work. And it kills and it shocks them. Either one of those two ideas connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, over the years, you go, I don't, I don't know why they don't think it's funny, but most of the time it's because you weren't a good enough comedian to, or you just weren't communicating it properly. There's a germ of funny there, but there's all different kinds of comedy. There's, there's sketch, there's improv, there's, right. there's movies, and there's stand-up. And maybe this isn't appropriate for a stand-up, you know, with the audience, you know, total strangers. But yeah, but you, you can make it work eventually. I had a joke that never worked, and for some reason, all of a sudden, it, it, it just started working. What it was, was the a, joke? A, a, a little bit of tinkering. I said, well, um, there's some people down south in my crowd and i said oh i was saying if i was a serial killer i did a show in alabama i learned one thing if i was a serial killer i would definitely go to alabama <laughs> they would never catch me because my victims have no dental records <laughs> oh no <laughs> and sometimes now i'll say so i was in alabama and somebody was will go woo oh you're from alabama yeah Oh, all right. Well, then I was in Mississippi. <laughs> <And then laughs> Let me look at your teeth. Okay. Yeah. But Alabama is funnier than Mississippi because of Bama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That word choice is, is yeah. unbelievable. Word choice is extremely important. You know, what? I remember reading George Burns's autobiography. Uh, and one of the things he talked about is there are just words that are funny and there are words that are just not, and there may be no way to explain it. Pickle is just a funny word. Seven yeah. is a funny number. 12 is not, you know, Mon or monkey is funny. Yes. Monkey is funny. Sav is funny. Lotion is not. That's right. There you go. So, <laughs> so anyway, the point is I, I get where you're coming from because that seems to be, there's just truths and we almost don't know why they are but much like feeling a perfect hit with a baseball bat you just know it or a golf club or whatever, you just know just thank you for that Tristan. you you know exactly when it's right because you feel it and yeah. is a lot of the sense of when you know a joke is going to work you almost know it before you even hear the laugh because you it just felt right well the perfect example of that when i was a kid i read groucho marx's autobiography and he was saying in a chapter about this, someone asked him if he saw the play, Oh, Calcutta. And he said, no, I just took my clothes off, stood in the mirror, and I saved $7. Uh, yeah. I think that's a box. And, and he said, I just instinctively knew it was funny to say seven. And I, as a kid, said, well, I think it's funny because you said the word saved as well. I'm thinking of myself because of the double S. Ah. Uh. Alliteration, I guess you would call it. Yeah, right. It's very important. Like Bumblebee is funnier than a yellow jacket. Right. Yeah. I, I tell my students, whenever you can do that, please do it. So uh, I wrote a joke for some kid who was like 12 years old. He was chubby. He was talking about how, you know, he had breasts. And so I said, don't call him breasts. Don't call him boy boobs. Boy. <laughs> so instead of man boobs, it's boy boobs and, and, oh. and a double B. Now his friends will laugh. I just have to commend yeah. you for reading as a kid Groucho Marx's biography. That shows that you and were... I, I didn't want to be a comedian back then. I was just interested. I liked biographies of I liked something. I liked the Marx Bros. So I, I actually watched, you know, so I would read yeah. the books. I, I read Jack Benny's, you know, you know, and uh Dick Dick Gregory's, you know, book. So maybe you are older than you look. 
I wish we could go on for five, 10, 15 hours with you, Chris. I just want to go back and forth on all the words we think are funny all words inherently. I, I know. <laughs> pee pee. That's got alliteration. So, Chris, one thing we didn't really touch on is you're not just a stand up comic and a writer and a teacher. You've also been very involved in New York comedy clubs in i believe to some extent managing or running or or being involved in them behind the scenes that that correct um i mean i was the tuesday night manager of the improv back in the early 90s i was lucky enough to pass there silver friedman likely she passed me and to this day i owe her uh, you know gratitude for doing that so she made me her tuesday night manager and I, when I MC, I, I like to run the show as if I am the manager. But those are the only times, and I'm always being asked to manage clubs. And I, I always say no. Because managing the clubs, then you're going a different direction. Also, you, you get comics hating you, and these are my friends. And I'm not very good at saying no to people. So I, I told one club owner that, no. And he goes, why not? I said, because then I'll be the guy you're firing. And to the guy, oh, I wish I had him. <laughs> so I, I'd rather stay, oh, I wish I had that guy. So, yeah. Got it. What are you hearing? What are your feelings about the resurgence of the ability to come back into comedy clubs and the ability for comedians and comedy clubs to meet that in a meaningful way? What's the vibe? What's the feeling going on right now through your lens? My personal feeling, I'm not sure if it's the greatest idea to let comics and people in who haven't been vaccinated. I don't know. It's like a lot of these comedians, some of the younger ones don't wear masks and you're touching the microphone. So I'm a little concerned about it. I know we have to open up, but uh, I we have to take a lot of precautions. It's going to be difficult when people are separated because whenever you're a comic, you look at the room, you go, who the hell sat these people? <laughs> one's here, one's there. Was every show was going to be like that? Yeah. Yeah, there won't be tables. Won't be right up to the stage anymore. It's going to be right gonna be an adjustment for a while. I mean, I'm going to do it because you know, perform comedy. That's my thing. So I'm I'm doing shows, but that's why I, I am going to get. The, I I wasn't going to get that vaccine. If I'm just in my house all the time, I don't want to be shot up with something. But that's a risk, maybe. But definitely, COVID's a risk too. If I'm out in comedy clubs with people who aren't really wearing masks or yeah. keep on shaking your hands. Yeah. People like me. All right. So they go, oh, stop it. Don't touch me. Just elbow bump, elbow bump, yeah. work it, That's work it. it, work it. Yes. So yeah. Some people shook hands in front of me the other day and I just cringed. I don't think we'll ever go back to that. The Japanese. Well, I, hope not. Know what I, I never liked it. Anyway. <laughs> I stopped about five years ago. <laughs> How'd you stop? You just keep your hands in your pocket. Fist bump. Oh, I, I was doing I was doing one gig somewhere. God, it was an outdoor gig. It was a nightmare. But I actually did really well. And I'll tell you why in a second. But the guy I was told by the other comic was insulted because I wouldn't shake his hand. Oh. And as I explained to him, you know, there was one winter I got sick five times. I knew because I was emceeing a lot. I was shaking everyone's hand. So the outdoor gig was in front of a tree. I was in front of a tree. And there was like a bunch of uh, people like in, in front of me in my little patio everyone in their 60s and over. And it was like, it's a weird setup, but I did really well because one of the things, it was in August, one of the things I said was, this is great. If I bomb, I have my own crickets right here. 
<laughs> so every time I would do a joke, you would hear crickets. I go hit it, and I, so I, I, I killed. That is and a great note. See, girls goes, oh, I'll have to use it next week. I'm like, no, you won't. You didn't write it. You can't use it. And I get so annoyed when people go, oh, no. no. If you don't write it, you don't do it. You, know, you, you don't say it. So and that's why I wasn't really <laughs> feeling that line earlier. That was awesome. Oh, I, I didn't that do that. But is great. Saying, and, and comedians in general, they, they always will do it. I go, young comics. I go, when I say young, people are starting out. I said, no, that's not how it works. You make up your own thing and you, you get it right to a, it bombs and you get it right. But yeah, that actually saved my life. So, yeah. like, so Chris, how, how can people find you, connect with you, however they can find out where you are and see the things you're doing, what have you? There's Instagram, Chris Murphy Comedian. It's all one word because there's so many Chris Murphys in the world. There's Facebook, I guess, but those are only two um, platforms that I, that I have. So Instagram is probably the best way. Gotcha. All right, well, I won't follow them back. So this way I have a nice ratio. <laughs> <laughs> he's got seven people following him, but he's only following one. So the ratio is for no. <laughs> I just got to add no. this. Do you guys know about Kentucky Fried Chicken? You know, they only follow 11, you know, 11 herbs and spices. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They only follow oh. the Spice Girls and guys named Herb. That or adds herb. to 11. Herb. <laughs> That's it. Isn't that hilarious? I, wonder, I love it. I wonder who came up with that idea in, in, in a meeting. That's brilliant. Ingenious. So go, go when everybody, go, right? Go to Twitter, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're following 11 people, the Spice Girls, and a random number of guys named Herb to get to 11. I wish I was in that wow. meeting when that was decided. They've been discussing ideas and brainstorming about for about six hours. They've gone through a number of beers. Everyone's <laughs> plastered. Someone goes, oh my God, I got it. This is brilliant. Everyone's and no one remembered it the next day, but it was just uh, the anyway. All kidding aside, Chris Murphy, a gentleman, a literal scholar, a writer, an incredible comedian with a real tenure on stage, a beautiful human being, a very kind man, and obviously working with Aha Broadway now. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, Chris, thank yeah. you so much for the pleasure of spending a little time with you. Thank it really you. was quite insightful and very fun. Thank you. It was great. Uh, it was definitely my pleasure. Anytime I, I get practice on Zoom, I'll, I'm all about that. Well, I'm glad we yeah. could serve. All right, Chris Murphy, best of luck to you. Uh, that's it for this episode. Yeah, that's it for this episode of Funny People Talking. Uh, so happy you were here, everybody, for our producer, Elsie. Thanks a lot. And my good friend, Dresden. Ciao, ciao. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day, everybody. And by the way, don't forget, stay funny. That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.